We acknowledge the Wajuk people and the wider Noongar community on whose lands we sit today and we pay respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Our teacher Ross Bolotov Roshi has asked me to read his words welcoming in the new year for this year 2023. Welcome everyone. Thank you Nick Arnold for reading my words. It's good to be included in our ceremony of welcoming in the new year. I appreciate the opportunity to take a sabbatical. My hope is that it will allow me to finish two books. The first, a book on the poem, The Song of the Precious Mirror Samadhi, familiarly known as The Songbook. The second, which I've been shaping up over the last quarter of a century or so, is titled Zen and the Passions. Apart from the opportunity to complete tasks, a sabbatical will enable me to take a rest and recover my energy after what has been an arduous couple of years, and certainly not just for me, but for us all. I plan to return in April, but not to be present at the dojo every Thursday of the month. I am grateful to Alistair Reed for his coordination of the roster and to all of you, including Alistair, who have given me lifts over the longest time. Regarding the three months of my sabbatical, thank you Britta Bitterman for leading precept sharing and Nick Arnold and Coral Ward for offering Dharma talks. What we offer here in the Zen group of WA is precious. It is good to gather like this, to meditate and to deepen together. Ours is a regardless practice. With committed practice over years, we transform our life into one of greater inclusiveness, greater heartedness and greater ability to be present in difficult circumstances. Enlightenment is personal, but it is also in common. I hope that others will join us and that we can grow the Zen way in the community. How can we best do this? In the Diamond Sangha, we find, in the Diamond Sutra, we find the lines. All things are under the law of change. They are a dream, a phantom, a bubble, or a shadow. They are like dew or a flash of lightning. You should contemplate like this. Time is precious. Each day offers itself whether we are there for it or not. As old master Xiaozhou put it, use the 24 hours, don't be used by them. This is being there for what is, truly meeting it. What is this here right now? I want to thank Mary for her teaching as it is expressed through Doksan, Zazenkai and Everyday Zen and come March, Seshin as led by her alone. This is nourishing for us all and I encourage you here 
I encourage you to be there to experience Mary's fine teaching. It's a powerful and fruitful contribution to the way here in WA. It's also good to have Dr. Chris Barker-sensei beginning to teach in our Sangha. I am grateful to Chris for his fine offerings in last year's spring session, and I look forward to his ongoing teaching here. I want to thank the Council, Ingvar and uh, Desmond Lim, Gareth Owen, Nicholas Arnold and Philip McNamara. Through their careful planning and hard work, they keep the doors open and ensure our safety and our viability as a Sangha. Without their efforts, we wouldn't be sitting here tonight. Thank you, Kathy Shields, Paul Wilson and Nick Arnold as you conduct our welcoming in the New Year ceremony tonight. Thank, thank you each and every one for your contributions to the Zen Group of WA. I am proud of who we are and what we offer. The Zen way with its power to enlighten and transform. This is no quick fix. Like love, it takes time. How long have you got? Use the precious time. Mary's words for New Year 2023. I'm writing this message to you from Hardy's Bay on the central coast of New South Wales, where I am on holiday over the new year, and where I expect I shall still be on Thursday night when Cathy Shields reads this to you on my behalf, as she so kindly does at the start of each new year. It seems that no matter what has happened over the past year, the start of a new year brings a sense of possibility like a new sheet of paper. The opportunity to make a fresh start without the usual smudges. Even after years of Zen practice, the habit of making new year resolutions can linger. We announce that this year we're going to go to the gym five times a week or stop doom scrolling or whatever. But what happens? After a few days or a few weeks or a month or three, we have abandoned our resolutions. This often happens after we fail in our resolve. We finish off all that chocolate cake. Snap at the person who eventually answers our call after we've been on hold for 57 minutes. Drink too much on a Saturday after the match. Or don't go to the gym for a few days and so there's no point in trying anymore. We're failures, so that's it. Once we have not lived up to our expectations, even just once, we give up completely. New Year resolutions are often like this, but let's look at things another way, the way of practice, 
The thing about our practice, the Bodhisattva path, is that it gives us a template for what matters, expressed through the Bodhisattva vows. The many beings are numberless, I vow to save them. Greed, hatred and ignorance rise endlessly, I vow to abandon them. Dharma gates are countless. I vow to wake to them. Buddha's way is unsurpassed. I vow to embody it fully. Now there's a resolution. Yet this is not something we are expected to achieve in this lifetime. And it's not only me saying this. The word is that even Shakyamuni is only halfway there. Yet, despite the fact that we inevitably fail again and again to live up to these vows completely, it doesn't mean we have fallen off the path, that we have failed. All of us struggle with being perfect because it is impossible. It is already so. Falling down, making mistakes, not living up to our expectations of ourselves is normal. New Year resolutions seldom work, but the Bodhisattva path provides us with signposts to help us proceed in a way that brings more ease not by giving us a score, but by allowing us to discover for ourselves what helps. One thing that helps is something we all know in theory, but forget repeatedly in practice, is just to be here. Each breath, Each moment is it. There is no other time. There is no other place. How easily we get lost in thoughts of what happened before or in, <clears throat> or in planning what we are going to do next. As I write this to you, I know I can't share this moment with you there in person. So I pause for this moment now, sitting here outside with my laptop, looking out over the bay, while somewhere unseen in the trees surrounding me, cicadas reach a crescendo of chorusing that obliterates everything. Curious, I investigate, remember I'm here at my laptop, and learn that it is the males wanting to mate. The quieter clicking that follows soon after, and which I can now hear, is the females indicating their readiness for it. I realize with amusement and joy 
that I am composing my New Year words to you while sitting in the middle of an insect orgy. No need to worry about what to write about. I'll just share this moment with you anyway. To all of you sitting right now, listening to this on Thursday evening, for the 108 bells to ring in the year, I expect many of you know that there is an unusual start to this year. Ross Bolita Roshi will not be there, and I have agreed and feel honoured to take on more of the teaching while he is on sabbatical leave for three months. Apart from all the other differences between Ross and me, a major difference is that generally I'm located over 3,000 kilometres away as the crow flies and in a different time zone. So although I will be doing more online and coming to WA for session in March, I'm not able to be there in person or online on Thursday nights to give doxan or talks or to lead discussion. This means that we'll all have to do some things a bit differently. Some of us remember when both the Sydney Zen Centre and the Zen Group of Western Australia were just beginning and there were no resident teachers. Then Robert Aitken Roshi agreed to travel to Australia once a year to lead a session at each side of the continent. Both groups began and flourished without a resident teacher. And in many ways, the necessity that members of each group had to find ways to maintain a flourishing practice without a teacher for about 50 weeks of the year was in itself a great practice. Sitting nights once or twice a week, zazenkai and short sessions still happened. Practice could be deep. The three treasures of our practice are Buddha, Dharma and Sangha. Sangha is absolutely vital. Many of you know from your own experience the importance of Sangha. It is Sangha members who volunteer to go on council and manage the business of the group. It is Sangha members who take leadership roles in the dojo on Thursday nights who welcome and orient new newcomers, who organize fundraising activities, who encourage others. While I'm not very keen on the term spiritual friends, that is what members of Sangha can be to each other and everyone needs such friends, teacher or not. Over the years, and there have been a lot of years, I've come to appreciate the importance of such friends in helping us to maintain our practice. These may be people in our actual Sangha or good friends we have made in other contexts who help us by being there for us, whatever happens, and encourage and inspire us 
to be good friends too. Actually though, it is often through sitting together with people, year after year, as well as cleaning the dojo, chopping vegetables in session, at council meetings, that we come to know each other and support each other. Even if, perhaps especially if, we haven't always seen eye to eye. In this way, people often form lifelong friendships. Ananda, who was one of the Buddha's disciples, once asked him about friendship. He knew that friendship was important and even surmised that perhaps having good friends who encouraged others in their practice was half the path. The Buddha responded, having good friends isn't half of the holy life. Having good friends is the whole of the holy life. I know that very many of you have long experience of this, of being good and encouraging friends, and I look forward to practicing with you over the next few months, when probably more than is usual, your role in supporting each other, in welcoming newcomers and maintaining Sangha practice is so vital. I trust too, too that it will strengthen and enliven your own practice None of us can do this alone. Let's all do our practice for everyone. Thank you, Kathy, for reading this for me. Thank you all for listening. With love and wishing a happy new year to you all. Please sit comfortably. How fortunate we are to have Ross and Mary present tonight in their words and in their guidance of our practice in our sitting places and as Sangha members. Their Taishos, talks, doksans and heartfelt laughter convey the way constantly encouraging us. In what has become a custom, Ross invited me to say a few words on behalf of the Sangha as we open the dojo for 2023. The few words that are uppermost in my mind are, thank you Ross, and we gash up. Thank you, Mary. And we guess you. And thank you to each and every one of you for being here tonight. And we guess you. Now, that said, I could return to my place and say thank you to Paul, who will ring in the new year with our customary 108 strikes on the bell. However, 2023 has special significance for the Zigwa, as it marks the 40th year 
since it was established in a living room in Mount Claremont, where Ross, Ron and Hazel Cassiope sat with salad bowl and wooden spoon to ring in the first round of the zigwa. Ross and Paul Wilson journeyed separately at different times to Hawaii to sit with Robert Aitken, and he suggested they get in touch with each other. So Paul rang Ross and learned of the sitting in Mount Claremont, and thus began. I feel for 40 years Ross and Paul Wilson have been the backbone of the group, while so many others have offered and continue to offer muscle and diligence and effort throughout the decades. We're indeed very fortunate to have Paul to ring the bells tonight. How do these four decades sit in the context of Buddhism in Australia or in the West? The National Museum of Australia website relays that the first Mahayana Buddhists came here and went to the USA from China and Japan around 1848 in pursuit of gold. Little did they know they were bringing the gold. Most returned to their home country after the gold rushes. Then in 1870s, Sinhalese, as we know as Sri Lankans, uh, Sri Lankan immigrants came to Queensland and Thursday Island. And on that island, the first Theravadan Buddhist temple was built for about 500 Buddhist practitioners. Although Aboriginal people were the first to work for little pay as pearl divers, around 1888, Japanese divers arrived in Darwin and Broome and brought their Buddhist festivals with them, Matsuri. Unfortunately, the 1901 White Australia policy legislation put a stop to Buddhist immigrants until the 1970s. In 1976, the first boatload of Vietnamese refugees arrived and their blend of Theravadan and Mahayana Buddhism was welcomed because by then, Australians of diverse ethnic origins, including Anglo-Saxons, had initiated Buddhist study groups or centres of practice. The Sydney Zen Centre had been established in 1975 and in 1979, as Mary mentioned, Robert Aitken accepted an invitation to come to lead Australia's first Zen session, and he returned each year. Ross attended an early session in Sydney, and as we say, the rest is history. And now it's our turn. How do we offer muscle, dedication and effort as the Sangha enters its 40s. Well, firstly on our cushions, stools and chairs. I love the following quote 
that Dogen gives of his teacher, Rujing, and I unashamedly offer it again this year. The long ages do not move. The sitting cushions have fully completed another year of their Dharma age, and the world in all ten directions at the same time has fully completed another year of Dharma age. Therefore, those with mind know, and what is without mind attains it. For the guest, it functions. In the host, it is venerated. So, settle and ground yourself in whatever posture you are in right now, and take a moment to be grateful to yourself for being here to the cushion, the stool, or the chair that welcomes you back, and to those on either side of you, to the hot night. And yes, cicadas. purring of the traffic. Relax your eyes, shoulders and abdomen. Sink your weight to the earth and know we are all in this together as Robert Aitken said. Yes, we are all in this together so how will we express with gratitude that Ross and Mary are truly with us in our hearts, in our intentions and resolve as a Sangha over the coming months and throughout the year. Hmm. Having more catch-ups? Coming early to help set up? Bringing flowers? Lingering later to chat? Connecting with Mary on weekend doxans. Lending good reads and sharing more of Zigwa's online resources. We're 40. This full-grown Sangha needs all of us. Let's creatively enjoy being the vital third treasure. And let's enjoy the New Year's full moon which will rise before the sun sets tomorrow. Perhaps the beach beckons. But here, together, softly, we can dive into the ocean of our practice. great to be back and I thank you all for being here.